We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by the Field of 68, another week of Illinois basketball in conference play. A bit of a rocky week, one in one week. Illinois went to Northwestern, lost in overtime, and then yesterday on Saturday, as we record this, welcomed in the Indiana Hoosiers. We'll talk about it all and look ahead into February as we're approaching the end of January here. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always by my co-host Mike Farmer. Mike, how we doing today? On this uh, late January Sunday, Illinois roller coaster ride, huh? Yeah, it's it's been a wild season. Even even this past week was pretty wild. But uh, had the game against Indiana yesterday. Got the win. wasn't wasn't a pretty game. wasn't too too much of an exciting game, but still got the win in the end. So I, I can't be too upset. Yeah, they did what they didn't do against Maryland. They played really bad, but they actually won this time and didn't suffer a quad three loss. So give them credit there. Uh, but I do want to get into the week as a whole because it wasn't the finest week of basketball that we've seen this team play. Wednesday night at Northwestern, it didn't play poorly. I mean, that was a really good game. 97-92 was the final. 96-91 was the final in overtime. That was really high-level game, probably the most fun game in general other than the result, obviously. It wasn't fun to lose, but most fun overall quality basketball game that we've seen. Illinois does lose that game, though. We both predicted a win uh, last episode, didn't quite come to fruition northwestern at home has been a wagon this year illinois had chances to win couldn't quite get it done Uh, then you come home saturday in a bounce back spot against an indiana team that didn't have khalil ware playing who's one of their best players who has been just putrid for most of the season against quality competition and that game was tied with about a minute and a half left and uh, just a, another in a line of Illinois at home against inferior competition, just not really getting up for these games for whatever reason. What, what did you make just in general of the week as a whole? One and one, neither result killed you. Obviously, you beat Indiana, you're supposed to beat. You lost a, a road game to Northwestern, which is a quad one loss. So nothing hurt your resume, but kind of a clunky week for this Illinois team trying to get Terrence Shannon back in the mix. What would you make of it? Uh, like you said, like neither one's going to hurt your resume too much. Neither one is really going to bolster your resume too much either. Like you've seen in Evanston, Purdue goes there, they lose. Illinois obviously just lost there. Or Ohio State just lost there, even though they've been they've been on a bit of a downturn recently. But still, 
Northwestern, they just they win games at home the past couple of years in Evanston. It's like you said, they're a wagon there. So Illinois didn't play their best game, but it was still a really competitive game. That was like definitely one of the most exciting games in recent memory for Illinois. Like that was the first game I can remember recently where I was like legitimately nervous towards the end of the game. Like usually I'm just like, oh, somebody's going to hit a shot. Somebody's going to make a defensive stop. Illinois is going to get this win. But uh, during that game in Evanston, I was like, I was in my dorm room watching with my roommate and we're both like, I'm like falling off my chair when guys are hitting shots. Like it was such an exciting game. You didn't get the win in the end, but still, uh, I mean, I don't think you can be too upset unless you're really upset about like the overtime performance in specific, giving up three pointers, fouling on three pointers, just not really making shots towards the end of the game as well. But Northwestern's a good team. It's not like it's a quad three, quad four loss or something. That's a good team that's probably going to finish in the top four of the conference uh, by the end of March. So not, not too much I'm really upset about in terms of that game. But the Indiana game yesterday was just a shaky game all around. Like it felt like an almost a repeat of the Maryland game from a couple weeks ago. Just Indiana gets off to a slightly hot start. Illinois doesn't score for like four minutes and then eventually takes the lead towards the end of the first half. But it's like, Indiana starts the second half with a nice run and then they're up seven points or something again. Illinois comes back. They win in the end. They had some timely shots when they needed to. Uh, Justin Harmon, Terrence Shannon Jr. hit some free throws towards the end of the game, but not not a very encouraging performance, I would say, because like you were saying, that was expected to be a bounce back spot. Like, is Terrence Shannon Jr. going to finally wake up this game? Is he going to drop 25 and eight or something? You didn't really see that. You didn't really see too many great performances from individuals on this team either, but uh, you still you get the win, so it's like, are we really going to spend a half hour complaining about how Illinois played if they still won against uh, even a mediocre team? It's a big time win in the end. I'm, I'm not too upset. I think Illinois will still be able to bounce back in the future. Yeah, it's not. We don't need to be all doom and gloom about it as we were after Maryland because that was truly a bad stain on your resume. This one, you found a way to win. They played pretty poorly, but I think it just kind of showed that this team's a little bit off right now. Like, did. There's just some disruption. I think a lot of it does have to do with Shannon coming back. Not to say that, like, oh, it's a terror. It's a bad thing now that Shannon's back. We wish he didn't come back. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying trying to bring him back into the fold. He's super rusty, and you could just—I mean, he's one for 14 from three, nine for 28 from the floor. It's just really tentative when he gets the ball. Like it's either it's all or nothing for him. Either he's really tentative, doesn't really know what he wants to do with it, or it's just head down. I'm gonna drive out of control here and try to just bulldoze my way to the basket which for the month of December that was working for him but for a guy that hasn't played he just doesn't have the same level of handle and and explosiveness right now as he's trying to work his way back in and you put a guy like that back in the lineup and I think that trickles down to some other guys on the team and you know Marcus Damask hasn't played his best basketball he played pretty well against Northwestern but just turning it over a little bit more and he's seen a lot more help and double teams when he tries to go into those booty ball matchups and it's just I think you know it's not panic time after that Indiana game you still win but it's it shows that like it's we were talking about on the last episode we were really high on well Shannon's back now this team might go on a big run here and final four contender maybe that is their ceiling 
right now after the Indiana game, that's not what this team's playing. Like, like there's plenty of time left. I want to get into the February schedule upcoming, but right now they're not playing like a national contender right now, or even a big 10 contender. And it's been a lot clunkier and less smooth than we thought it might be putting Terrence Shannon back in the mix. Just, you know, I, I don't know. I think obviously there's a mental aspect to it for him. That is probably something that didn't get as much consideration when he first came back. I mean, you, everything that is going on off the court, like now you're trying to just drown all that out and you go to Northwestern and you obviously heard all the chants and everything like that. And it's tough to do like to just say, all right, I'm, I'm back. I'm going to just play basketball as normal when all that's happening in your life. But also just, this is a team that played six games and kind of built a new chemistry without him. Now you stick him back in there and everybody knows that he's the best player on the team and, and that they want him to get going and they want him to assert himself, but he's not really doing that. And it's just like, it's just kind of upset the chemistry a little bit right now. And I think that's something that Illinois is going to have to work through. How concerned are you with the way Terrence has looked since coming back? Honestly, I thought the best he's looked since coming back was his first game at home against Rutgers. The two games this week, he just didn't play well. How concerned are you about where he is right now and just kind of the effect that that might have on the rest of the team? I really don't think he even looked great against Rutgers. Like, he ended up with, I think, 16, yeah. 17 points, something like that, hit some layups towards the end, had that fast break dunk. I, I mean, a lot of his points have been, like, free throw. Like, I know in November, December, a lot of his points were free throws, fast breaks, stuff like that. But these past, like, three games, it's been a lot of, like, crunch time free throws, like, second half of the second half free throws where he's scoring in the last 10 minutes, which is nice. Like, Illinois needs that. They need a closer. And, it, like, if these Big Ten games are going to be close in the future, they need a closer. And if he can be that guy, that's awesome. But he just, like, like you mentioned, his drives. He's driving to the basket in November and December. I'm expecting, like – an and one foul, a posterizing dunk or something. But in these past couple games, when he's driving, like just in the half court offense, if he's going to go into his left hand, going to the hoop, I'm expecting like a turnover, a charge or something. Like it, it just has been pretty, really. You throw in the one for 14, one for 15, three point shooting too, missed a couple free throws in these past few games. It just hasn't been pretty offensively. I don't think his defense has really been a concern. Like I think he's been all right on the defensive end when he's like on ball, stuff like that. We'll talk about the Northwestern switching later, I'm sure, because that, that was a big mistake in the Northwestern game defensively. But I don't think that's really his fault. That was more of a game plan thing. But I think with time, like, I think the shooting will come back. He was shooting over 40% from three in November, December. I think he was around 42%, something like that, averaging 21 points a game. I think he'll he's a shell of himself right now, whether it's mentally, physically, is he in shape? Is he just ready to compete again at this level? We're going to have to see, but I think he will get his legs under him eventually. I think given this eight-game stretch in February, late January, where we're playing some of the mediocre teams in the Big Ten for the most part, I think he'll have a chance to like reassert himself as a potential All-Big Ten guy, maybe even an All-American status guy. But um, it's been it's been odd seeing like the reinvigorated offense since he's come back because it's, it's been different. Like you, you put up a lot of points in the Northwestern game, but then you look at this Indiana game yesterday and you don't score for four minutes. Like you're missing shots left and right. Obviously that's not all Terrence's fault, but he was two for 10 at one point, I believe. Um, guys are just hesitant to shoot. Like, I don't know if it's been a new offensive game plan since he's joined because we're still seeing 
Marcus Damask booty ball. We're still seeing uh, – these guys do their thing. Like Harmon's still taking his threes. Gary is still getting putbacks and stuff like that. But it's been odd to see sort of the new offense since he's come back in. I, I don't know if we're going to have to like reinvent the offense again, because when he was playing in November and December, we didn't really see the Marcus Damask booty ball. We were seeing Coleman and like playing the worst games of his career. Honestly, he wasn't shooting threes. He wasn't making anything. And now when he, when Terrence Shannon Jr. was gone, these guys came back and became like the dominant players we saw for about a month in January. But now again, Terrence Shannon Jr. is back. How is he fitting with this offense? How is he fitting with the team as a whole, with the chemistry, with all the noise from outside the program? It's really interesting to see. And it's been a bit of a shaky start, but I think in February this next month or so, I think Illinois will be able to turn it back on and Terrence Shannon Jr. himself will be able to uh, find himself again. Yeah, I agree. I think it's coming at some point. I think it's going to take one game, like a breakout game for him, whether that comes Tuesday night at Ohio State or whenever that comes. Like there'll be a night where he makes four threes and he gets out and runs and 28 points and all of a sudden say, like, all right, you just got to see that happen once. And then I think that's when he's going to start to hit his stride. But that's got to be a concerted effort kind of by everybody, by Brad Underwood to maybe run some more things through him, by the team to not ignore him, even if he's struggling to keep getting him involved. Like, even though he's playing poorly, I know I've seen some people yesterday, like, why was Terrence even in the game late? He was so bad. I get that. He was bad, but you need him out there and you need to, you can't just go away from him after three games coming back with how, talented he is and how important of a player he is you can't just say all right Terrence you're playing poorly we're playing you 15 minutes from now no you got to get him going like you got to just ride it out as long as he's going to be rusty because at the end of the day if this team wants to have the ceiling that they can have it he's got to be an all-american again like that's just has to happen so at some point I think that's going to happen hopefully it comes sooner rather than later but at some point there's going to be that vintage Terrence game and once that happens I think that's when he's going to start to find the rhythm again but yeah you bring up a great point like it has been I I mean I think Wednesday night I don't think generating offense was a problem at all I think the problem was that they missed 22 shots at the rim which is another trend that we can get into um but you know against Rutgers I didn't think they were great offensively against Indiana I mean they were just broken and I I mean I think early on in the season he was kind of the focal point of what they were doing because just the, the gravity that he had on offense when he had the ball opened up so much for everybody else. Like teams were really worried about him and giving him a driving angle and, and leaving him open. He's shooting 41% from three that all of a sudden Marcus Damask is getting those one-on-one matchups against FAU. And, uh, and it's just, those two guys are kind of working together. And Illinois also played much faster back in November and December because you've got probably the most lethal transition player in basketball and he was very aggressive off of every miss in terms of getting out and running and just creating something in the open floor Illinois still played really slow since he's come back which I just don't think really suits his game the best and I also think teams just with how rusty he is and how much his shot is broken like they're not paying much attention to him they have no problem with you know, sending three guys to the paint to to cut off Marcus Damask's post-ups and leaving Terrence Shannon in the corner because right now he just doesn't have the confidence. If he gets going again, I think that's going to open up things for everybody else. And, you know, 
you'll be able to run more ball screens through him with Coleman to get him some pick and pop opportunities. And um, I also just think things have kind of stagnated around Damask now all of a sudden where I've thought with him out, and I don't know if it's necessarily anything he's doing wrong, but with him out, there was just so much movement and, and so much moving without the ball and, and, you ran a lot through Damask, but if guys were helping off Damask and you were going to get open shots because you had guys cutting to the basket and you were moving the basketball so well and just the team was more cohesive. And now it feels like you're still running a lot through Damask because Terrence Shannon just isn't quite there yet. But now it's just kind of stagnating. And if he doesn't have the matchup, then, well, Terrence just doesn't have his confidence back and you've got other guys kind of standing around. I, I don't really understand it. I, I think that's just with time and just with working him back in, that's going to correct itself. But um, you did mention defensively as well. I kind of think he has been problematic defensively a little bit. Like he just hasn't really been himself. Like Boo Boo, he beats him to the basket on the most crucial possession of the game against Northwestern and, and pump fakes gets him in the air for the game time bucket. Now he's really good and he had a great game, but just on ball, like I think he's getting beat a lot more. And off ball, I think, you know, he, he busted a couple switches against Northwestern and he's just like, he, the focus isn't there for him. And we saw how impactful he was defensively back before he came back. And I just feel like it, everything's just a little off with him. Like he just, he's really tentative and he's just not locked into what this team's doing right now. And that's gotta be priority. Number one, as Illinois goes forward is do everything possible to get him back to that level that he was at we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. See, I I agree with you. I, like, I want him back to his old level. Like, I want, I want him to be playing at his old level like I, I don't know if it has to be him playing 30 minutes a night though at this point because other guys have asserted themselves like you've seen the past few games Ty Rogers has like a pretty solid first half he gets six points or so he's driving to the hoop he's scoring he's facilitating a little bit he's got pretty solid defense when he's on ball in my opinion and then in the second half he just sits for 18 minutes like He'll come out and start the second half, of course, but then somebody else comes in like Harmon, and Harmon ends up playing 30 minutes. I get the concern with Ty Rogers, but in terms of like no shooting, uh, still a bit shaky from the free throw line if guys want to follow him towards the end of the game for some reason. But um, if Terrence Shannon Jr., like as of right now, if Terrence Shannon Jr. isn't hitting threes and he's not really too effective going to the hoop, why not put Ty Rogers in towards the end of the game? Like just for right now, for this Indiana game, maybe for the Northwestern game as well. Because Ty Rogers, I don't think he should be playing 15, 16 uh, minutes a night at this point. Because I think when he comes in, he's been really efficient, getting to the hoop, getting to the glass as well. When other guys have kind of shown recently that they're not hitting layups either. So I, I, I'm kind of concerned with Ty Rogers not playing towards the end of the game and really sitting out like the entire second half. Because – it just seems like when he comes in, like he's been able to be pretty efficient offensively getting to the hoop and just having him on the bench is, I think it's hurting the defense too. Like if you're concerned about Terrence Shannon, you, Terrence Shannon uh, towards the end of the game defensively against somebody like Boo Booey, like why not throw Ty Rogers out there? It's, it's just inter- interesting to me to see him sit out for like the entire second half while Harmon and Goody and Shannon are playing right now. You got thoughts on that or no? Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair question. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, like, I, I disagree that, like, Shannon needs to come off the court late in games because I just, I even with as bad as he's been, like, that that's a guy that all it takes is one play or, or one missed shot with a minute left and get him out in the open floor for an and one to win a game or, you know, get him to his left hand and he's going to get fouled like we saw. I mean, he, he kind of won the game on the foul that, was committed late against Indiana, probably a charge, but you know what? We'll take that home cook in there on that call. But he went to the foul line, made two free throws and two really crucial ones. Like he has that ability still. I I would disagree that I think Terrence Shannon needs to come off the floor. What I will say is I think it's a fair point that Ty Rogers seeing his minutes cut so drastically from when Terrence was out might be a little unfair because I think he's played pretty well. Like even against Indiana, like he was probably Illinois second best offensive player for most of the game behind Luke Goody. Like he, he took that Malik Renew matchup when Mike Woodson tried to stick him on him and he, he beat him for a couple buckets. And I do think he's probably one of your strongest defenders. I don't think he's been uh, free from fault on the defensive end recently. I think there's been a lot of guys that have struggled, but he's still probably one of your best defenders. And I, I, I see that. I do think that, you know, the way Brad Underwood has explained it when he's been asked that is that, you know, it's not anything that he's doing wrong. It's more so just the fact that he's a non-shooting threat. And I think that him being on the floor 
just naturally makes Illinois' offense a little bit easier to defend when you have a non-shooting threat at the guard spot. And especially when you're trying to play more of a five-out, space-it-out lineup with Coleman in there, which they're doing, obviously, in the end of, at the end of games. Just having his non-shooting presence on the floor, even though he's done a nice job you know, exploiting a matchup with a bigger guy on him. I didn't give him credit. I think he's found a way to kind of make teams a little more hesitant to do that. But he ju- you just can't really deny the fact that him being on the court late does clog things up. If you're going to run offense through Damask with a minute left, like they did against Northwestern, like having Ty's non-shooting ability on the court is just naturally going to clog up space for him to operate and, you know, that's a guy that you can just easily help off of with no concern and in crucial possession. So I, I, I understand that logic from Brad Underwood's side. I will say the fact that Ty's averaging like 16 minutes a game since Terrence has returned, I would like to see that go into the 20s for sure. And I don't think I, I, I would I with you that it's it seemed like the last two games he started the second half at, with the starting unit and then has come off the floor and basically sat the rest of the game. And I just don't really agree with that, especially when guards recently have been beating you with Boo Booey. We saw Xavier Johnson with Indiana who's been horrible this year, kind of beat you off the dribble uh, like four times in that game. Like Ty Rogers, I think, is probably your strongest right now until Terrence gets his groove back. He's probably your strongest option to defend opposing guards on the perimeter. So I, I'm with you on that. I, I just I'm not sure that I'm clamoring for Ty to be on the court in these crunch time possessions because I do understand Brad Underwood's logic too I just think the, f- the floor opens up more with him off the court but I don't think that he necessarily needs to play 15 minutes either I, I don't know it's a, it's a tough question I think it's a fair point yeah I just think like I know Harmon has had some really big shots the past few games towards the yeah, end of the game he hasn't but, like, been very good though exactly like he was before that shot yesterday against Indiana I think he was one for eight so I'm just saying maybe not in the last four minutes. Maybe that's not what I'm saying. Like when Ty Rogers needs to be playing, what a like, cause Ty goes and sits on the bench at like the 17, 16 minute mark in the second half. And then he's just done for the day. Like why not sub him in at the 10 minute mark? Like whatever it is, if Harmon's struggling offensively, like he was yesterday, I think it's fair to just give Ty another look offensively in the second half, especially if he's been playing decently in the first half, like he did yesterday. So I just I think it's kind of unfair, and I think I saw somebody on Twitter pointing it out too. So I think it's just something to monitor. But I did like the Dre Gibbs Lawhorn when he checked in yesterday, and you just you kind of knew he would go in and just chuck a shot because that's pretty much what he needed to do. Like I'm sure that's what he was told to do. He missed the first one, and then he ended up hitting a big three for the, his second shot. So that was actually nice to see. But I don't want to complain too much about the rotations because you win the game. You got an All-American guy as of a month ago that's coming back, but obviously he needs to be playing. But maybe somebody like Harmon or maybe take some minutes from Goody or something, even though he did play pretty well yesterday. So I just think it's something to look at and monitor a bit going forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think there's now with Terrence back, like we talked about last week, like it gives you more options to play with, with him out, you're playing basically six guys. And so it's like either Ty's got guy has to be on the court or you have one option to replace him and it's Harmon. And if Harmon's not playing well, then, you know, it's a lost cause there. Now you at least have a couple different lineups. Like we saw against Indiana, Quincy Garrier just didn't have it. He's been great 
for most of this stretch. He was really bad against Indiana, and Brad Underwood sat him for like the last 14 minutes because he can do that now, you know. So I, whether you agree with that move or not, I, I I just think he was bad, and Brad Underwood just pushed a different button and can do that a little more comfortably. And I think that includes Ty Rogers. Now I think you should be able to be a little more aggressive mixing and matching him now that you have seven true playable guys. And I, I agree with you too. It was clear that Underwood was trying to send a message on Saturday when most guys are playing really poorly. We saw Nico Moretti get in the game in the first half. And then we saw Dre Gibbs Lawhorn get in the game in the second half. He was clearly trying to spark something. And that three that Dre Gibbs Lawhorn hit ended like a 13-0 Indiana run. So credit to him. That was a huge shot. Um, I, by the way, just real quick, like I would like to see him instead of Nico Moretti going forward. Like if you need to push a button and get someone else off the bench, no offense to Nico, but he can't guard anyone right now. So give me Dre yeah. as a spark plug. I actually would like to see Brad Underwood sprinkle Dre in a little bit more, especially if your offense is going to look as putrid as it did against Indiana. Like he, he's just a spark plug. It, all it takes is that one shot that he makes, and all of a sudden Illinois just goes on a little bit of a rally there. Like that's all you need from him, really, and he can give you that. Like if your offense is really stagnant, stick him in there, and you're probably going to get at least one bucket out of him or, or at least some type of energy play. Like even against Purdue, thinking back to that game, he came in, had a couple energy defensive plays. So he's kind of like that sincere Harris spark plug, just change the energy of a game type. So I want to see him just get sprinkled in a little bit more and – definitely at the expense of ever sprinkling Moretti. And I just don't think he's suited for the big 10 right now. That's just, I'm sorry, no offense to him. No, Do you agree with that? I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. Even like when uh, Dre made that shot yesterday, yesterday, after that three, he like got back on defense. He was harassing the ball handler. And I forget what happened after that, but that was good to see. He, like, he came out right after that, but that's all you needed to spark a little run. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, just give him a couple minutes a half. Let him get a bucket. Let him at least try to get a bucket. Like, like if it, I've seen some people on Twitter talking about like this this topic. Like, there I saw some tweets saying if Illinois wins the championship, uh, people are still going to be pissed about like, oh, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn didn't check in in the second half, and Dane Danger's gone after the year. Like, okay, I'm not. Nobody's really complaining about that, but. I think I agree with you. It would be nice to see just sprinkle in a couple minutes. Let him try to get a bucket at least. Let him try to affect the defensive end. Because when he's been in on defense, I know he's probably prone to some lapses, mental lapses on defense as a freshman that hasn't played too much in the past few months. But just let, let him try. Like like you're saying, the offense was abysmal against Indiana. Like you didn't score for the first four minutes. You had, I think, 14 points in 13 minutes. Like, why is Dre Gibbs Lawhorn maybe your best offensive option as in terms of a guard off the bench? Like, why is he not checking in at some point in the first half? So it's – I know we have a deep team, but if guys are struggling like they were yesterday, I think it's I think it's fair to give some other guys a chance, maybe not Nico Moretti. But I think even against some of the low majors Illinois played, Nico Moretti was fine. But in the Big Ten, it's, it's a whole different beast, especially defensively. But something to monitor. Uh, I want to ask you a quick question because uh, last week on Sunday, we talked about if Illinois is a potential final four team, like what do they need to show? Like what is, what's going to get Illinois to an elite eight to a final four? How is Illinois going to win a big 10 championship? Stuff like that. So I want to flip it and say, not to be like doom and gloom, but like if Illinois is to collapse down the stretch or something or to lose in the first round of the tournament, something like that, 
what what do you think is going to be the downfall of this team? Like, what's a potential reason for this team underperforming in March? I think one of the things is their defensive drop-off is really – I think if that continues to slide – I think that's one of the bigger reasons. And, and I think Terrence Shannon's a huge reason too. Like if he's just this the rest of the year, I don't think Illinois is very good. Like if he's just giving you two for tens and just isn't at all. And not only is he not the same all American level player, but he's like hurting the team when he's on the court for the rest of the season, whether that be mental or just whatever, I think that's a big reason. But I also just think it's kind of a segue into one of what I wanted to get into anyway, defensively, this team hasn't been great. And like for a month now, I was looking up on Bart Torvik on their defensive efficiency metrics. And up until January 1st, Illinois was a top 20 defense. They ranked 20th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Since January started, they're 70th in the country in defensive efficiency. And I think part of that was you lost Terrence Shannon, who was a quality defender. But since he's been back, I don't think it's improved at all. And, you know, we can talk about a little bit like opposing big men kind of torching Illinois in the post. And I think part of that's by design a little bit. Like you ask Brad Underwood about it and he is completely fine giving up those one-on-one post matchups as long as it means teams don't shoot threes. But at some point, like when the fifth straight big man has given you 20, you probably got to adjust. Because listen, as for as good as Coleman Hawkins is defensively, and I think some people have gotten soured because he's been matched up with these seven foot bigs that have beaten him in the post one-on-one. That is not his strength. He's playing out of position as a center. He's, he's not a true center and he's really, really good defensively. He's not a good post defender one-on-one. That's just not his game. And Illinois has been totally fine letting Malik renew uh, Julian Reese um, who else have they played here recently? That is Nicholson had a good him. game too. Nicholson had a good game. game. <laughs> Terrace Reed for Michigan, who was doing nothing offensively, had like 20 on Illinois. So that's becoming like a trend now at this point where, you know, you look up at a, at a good big man and Illinois is going to see a guy like Reese again. They're going to see Akpara against Ohio state coming up masked for Nebraska has been really good. Like all of a sudden you get really worried about those matchups and, I also think that's not the only issue. I think opposing guards have kind of gotten what they've wanted at the rim against Illinois here recently too. Like the Atlanta's point of attack defense against opposing guards. Now, some of them are just great guards and Jameer Young, Boo Booey, those guys are really good, but they've also had two of like their best games of the season against Illinois. So it's, uh, there's something there. And then when Xavier Johnson's averaging seven points and getting benched and all of a sudden he's giving you 14 and beating you off the dribble, all of a sudden you got a problem there. So defensively, this Illinois team has been not very good here recently. And if that doesn't get corrected, then yeah, I don't think this is a final four team at all. And I I think that's something that has really got to be a focus here is figuring out how you get back to that November, December defensive effort and connectivity on that end of the floor and switch things up a little bit like yeah if you're gonna see julian reese again at maryland or you're gonna see obviously Edie's coming to champagne again i don't think he's gonna be in foul trouble in that game like he was against purdue but even that game like trey kaufman wren beat you in the post so it's like it didn't even matter maybe you start sending some traps i know underwood hates that but like at some point switch it up i don't want to see that happen again where another big's giving you 20 on efficient shooting um and, and just being more physical and fighting over screens. I think Illinois is just getting 
crushed on screens. Nobody fight like Northwestern screened Illinois to death in the second half. Nobody could get over a screen. Give them credit. They ran some really good stuff, both off ball and on for Bowie. But like, I just think Illinois has lost that edge on the defensive end. So if there's, there's one thing that I'm looking at. I, I'm not super concerned offensively. I think the numbers speak for themselves. Seventh in offensive efficiency nationally. Even, you know, Wednesday against Northwestern, I thought they were really good despite losing and missing some shots at the rim. I think this team will be fine on that end. But if there's something that's going to make this team really struggle down the stretch, I think it's they've really slipped on the defensive end. Have you noticed the same? I think so. And I think the thing with the offense, too, is like against Maryland, against Indiana, against Northwestern, even you hit a couple more shots and nobody's talking about the offense. Like we're missing some easy, easy layups, like right at the rim. We're missing dunks and stuff with Terrence. I think you just you hit a couple more shots, hit a couple more threes per game. I know it's easier said than done, but they've been a bit cold these past couple weeks. If they made one of those like six, sorry to cut, but. If they made like one of those like six tipping attempts against Northwestern, like you remember that one possession where they had (laughs) six tippins at the rim and none of them went in. Like if they make one of those, then we're not even talking about the offense. So it's just, it's been crazy. And then you go, you end up going to OT in that game and Northwestern gets hot from three and the game's game's just over. Like that's a game you probably should have won in regulation. But yeah, I I don't think the offense is much of a concern. Like, You've got slow possessions with Damask playing booty ball, but if you make a shot at the end of that possession, like we were doing last month, but haven't been doing the past couple of weeks, and it's not an issue. Like you're good. You're probably going to win the game. But um, I think the defense is definitely the concern. Like North Northwestern comes out. I know it's at home, but they come out and shoot above fifty percent. They're knocking down threes. They're hooking you off screens. Like pretty much the whole game, it seemed like their offense was mostly have somebody dribble at the top of the key and then have Boo Booey run around being chased off screens for like 25 seconds and then have somebody hit a shot and they shot like almost 60% and won the game. So that worked, but like you're concerned with the big men too. Like uh, I think the big men are down this year in the big 10, like in past years, you would have had to play PJD, ED, EJ Liddell, Garza, all these dudes. But Dickinson. I mean, this year, Dickinson, yeah, this year it's dudes like Terrace Reed and Malik Renew and like Khalil Ware didn't even play and they still cook you in the paint. I know that's mostly like that's what they do. They don't shoot threes, but still it's a bit of a concern if you're going to be going to want to win some games in March like Illinois does. But um, yeah, like the thing with the, the ball screens against Northwestern, like I was watching the game with my roommate who's he's getting into college basketball a little bit just because I'm watching it like 24-7, but he's like – Oh, in the past, in the last few minutes of the game, he's like, "Oh, here comes Northwestern. They're gonna set a screen and make a switch for no reason. Like, like we can't just fight over the screen instead of having Goody on Bowie for the most crucial possession of the game, stuff like that." So I think it, I think it, it's game to game. Like that's not gonna happen every game with a dominant guard like Boo Bowie forcing switches at the top of the key and then cooking you for almost thirty points. That's not gonna happen every game. But I think, like you're saying, that the defense has been a bit, a bit of a concern the past month. And I really just hopefully with Terrence Shannon Jr. Uh, getting back to form eventually, I hope that gets fixed at some point. But it's going to be something to to look for, for sure. Yeah, no, and, and that's a great point, too. They just There are matchups that other teams, if Illinois is going to switch a lot, there are matchups that other teams are going to just go at. Like, Luke Goody plays a great role on this team, but 
he is not a good individual one-on-one defender, especially if you're matching him up against a quick, smaller guard. Like the fact that that happened almost every possession down the stretch against Northwestern. And, you know, Brad Underwood took accountability in the post game saying that's just a really poor coaching decision. That's something that we wanted to do, but yeah, you can't let that happen. And I think that you've got, you know, the guys in, in Shannon and Rogers and the length there and the, the physicality that can give these guys trouble, but not if you're going to let those guys switch off on the, you know, Brooks Barnheiser while boo boo, he has the ball at the top of the key. And like, I think there needs to be a little more of, yeah, when, when teams are going to set ball screens for their top guards, like you got to make sure you have the matchup you want. You can't let them get their matchups. It's, it's kind of the inverse of what Illinois does. Illinois tries to get matchups for Damask and, and Shannon and Rogers. And on the other end, they're just giving up those same favorable matchups. And so at that point, you're going to play in a shootout on the road, like against Northwestern, and you're not going to win it because, you know, they're, they're Northwestern shot 61% from three in that game. I know that's another thing people have said like god northwestern couldn't miss Illinois gave up a ton of great shots that whole game like they were bad on the defensive end so i I, that's what really the percentage says to me and uh and even coleman like in in some ball screen coverage like they're playing drop coverage early in the first half against northwestern and he's playing so deep on a guy who is really good in that mid-range float game like you gotta you gotta play higher on some of these guards that can beat you and Jameer Young same thing when Maryland was here and you're gonna see them in a couple weeks so yeah I think there's a lot to figure out on the defensive end for Illinois and and they have the personnel like there's some really good defenders on this team even even some of your weaker defenders like Harmon Goody Damas those guys aren't like just horrendous you know they can't hang on the floor you're just picking them apart like those guys are pretty good team defenders if you put them in the right position but if you're putting them in positions to fail by having them guard boo booey in isolation situations or or you know allowing those guys to switch onto these guards off ball screens like that's not favorable to them that's not fair to them they that's a matchup they're going to get beat 80 percent of the time but that's avoidable for illinois it, it just it takes an adjustment so yeah, defensively, I think there's some things to figure out. 70th in defensive efficiency in the month of December, or month of January, rather. You know, we see all these metrics, you know, where the last, you know, 10 national champions have been top 25 in offense and defense and all, you know, these kind of qualifiers and stuff. No teams win a national title or make a Final Four that are that poor you know, 70th nationally defensively. That's got to get figured out because we know that they're capable of being a top 10 defense. Heck, we had four episodes of this podcast where we were gushing about, oh, this is an elite defensive team. They're not anymore. So they, they got to figure that out. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last thing I want to do here, we can kind of, you know, briefly talk about the two games this week before we record our next episode, Ohio State, Nebraska. But I just want to talk about the February schedule in general, because this is a very favorable stretch for Illinois. Now, there's good and bad to that. It's good in that you could stack some wins and position yourself, but you're not going to get a ton of like high-quality quad one-level opportunities. Uh, so some of these losses could hurt you more than the wins can help you. But it's a stretch for Illinois with, when they're going through some defensive struggles, when they're trying to work Terrence Shannon back in, when they're just a little disjointed as a team right now. Looking at this upcoming schedule gives you a little bit of hope in that, okay, you can work through some things here the next couple weeks and still probably win the majority of your games let me run through it real quick and um we'll count tuesday night's game against ohio state even though it's in january as february because we're, we're we're our next episode will be in february so at ohio state on tuesday nebraska at home at michigan state probably a tough game michigan at home at maryland at penn state iowa at home minnesota at home to me you don't lose more than two of those games if you're a true contender. Like, you, you got a couple tougher road games at Michigan State, at Maryland. I will say it would be nice if you got Maryland back on the road and made up for beating them beating you at home because they're playing better, but you're still way more talented than they are, and that'd be a nice one to just kind of cancel out the, the dud home loss. But, uh, yeah, like – Two losses, man. If, you, if you're losing more than two of those games, I do get concerned. So that's a stretch where Illinois, I think, should have a lot of success here and, uh, and position themselves because then you start March and it's at Wisconsin, Purdue at home, at Iowa to close the season. Once you hit that March 2nd Wisconsin game in Madison, you need to be the December Missouri version of yourself again. you got to find that version of yourself to set yourself up for the postseason, and you've got a month of a soft schedule to do so now. Yeah, so you've got this eight-game stretch, and I'm looking at the net rankings right now in terms of, like, what games are quad one, quad two. So I believe, as of right now, Ohio State, we play them in a couple of days. They're slipping hard. I think they've lost five of six. But as of right now, this is a road game, so it's still a quad one opportunity. So you're playing a team that you're clearly a lot better than. You're playing a team that's trending downwards uh, a lot. So this is a game you definitely have to win. I know – in the past couple of years, I think we've had some trouble in Columbus for whatever reason, sort of similar to uh, trouble against Maryland. Well, this is a game you have to win for sure. Then you've got Nebraska at home. Nebraska, really good team, honestly, especially at home. But they're on the road. I think they're one and five, maybe one and six on the road this season. They lost by just, like 30 to Maryland yesterday on the road. So exactly, you got yeah. to win that one. I'm pretty much going to say this for every game, but they're all must win. Like, I think – I don't think you have to win six. I think you have to win seven of these games if you want to. That's if you want to win a Big Ten title or at least be in contention because Purdue's one game up on you already at this point. Wisconsin's two games up on you. They're eight and one at this point. I'm sure they'll slip up eventually. They've still got to play Purdue, I believe. So you're going to need some help from other teams, but you got to beat Ohio State on the road. You got to take care of uh, Nebraska at home. Then Michigan State's probably the toughest game in this stretch. That's definitely a quad one opportunity on the road uh, in East Lansing. But that's a team you've beat already. That's a team you're you're better than. You have more talent than them. Like they haven't been able to put it together this year. I think they're twelve and eight, which is that, that's saying something for Michigan State. Uh, and then who else do you have? You got 
uh, Maryland, you have Michigan, who, who already beat Michigan. They're going to be without Doug McDaniel. That's a game you, you have to win. Like, I I think that's kind of a lock at this point to win. Yeah, but. and don't make it like, t- like Saturday's game either. Win that game oh, and please. have yeah. Moretti and A.J. Red check in at the under four. Like, come on. Like, that, <laughs> no sweat in that one. I don't need Terrence Williams sitting the three with three minutes left to go up one for Michigan. That would be miserable. But, like, after the Michigan game, you got Maryland on the road. And then after that, I think it's kind of smooth sailing. At least it should be. Like, you got Penn State, Iowa, Minnesota. Those three teams are all sub-500 in the Big Ten at this point. Probably all quad two, quad three, even games. Uh, Minnesota's been slipping hard. They're just, they're not talented. Iowa, Iowa still has a good offense. Like, I mean, they always do, but their defense is miserable. They're terrible uh, away from Iowa as well. So that first game against Iowa's at home, and then you got to play them to close out the Big Ten slate. But these games, like, I think you got to win seven if you want to uh, be in contention for the Big Ten possibly. I think if you lose more than one of these games, that's going to hurt your resume uh, in March pretty badly because a lot of these are quad two games. Um and you There's also, some quad still, three home games too. Yeah, like Minnesota. I think uh, Penn State's on the road, but still, it's a bad team. But it, like, if you want to have a decent looking resume, because Illinois doesn't have a great resume at this point. Like, no. they've got uh, some quad two wins, only one bad loss against Maryland. But you could, you have a potential to get some decent wins, like on the road at Ohio State, on the road at Michigan State, or quad one as of right now those will help you resume a ton and you're not going to get too many more of those opportunities besides Purdue and Wisconsin uh, in March. So I, I think Illinois really has to clean up that home this uh, in February and steal some wins on the road really, or else the March resume is not going to be looking great. And Illinois is probably going to be looking at maybe the four seed in the big 10, depending on how Northwestern does over the next month or so. So just really a crucial stretch for Illinois. This is a stretch where you want to get uh, TSJ going again preferably at home. Like I think the game against Indiana yesterday would have been a great time for TSJ to get going because just due to his situation, the road games are going to be tough, like tough on its mental and road games are just difficult in general. So that would have been nice, but I've still got hope for him getting going at some point. And yeah, just, I don't know what else to say. February is a huge month in terms of big 10, in terms of resume for March. Just, you got, I think you got to win seven games, honestly. Yeah, I and yeah, these home games like don't even flirt with these lot like in the Big 10 so far, Illinois has not played good basketball at home for the most part. Like you look through now their first Big 10 home game, North, that Northwestern game, they dom- that was probably their best game of the year. But you look after that, you get Michigan State at home and you know, I know that that's you mentioned they're 12 and 8. It's still a talented team, but like they went and got absolutely blown out by Wisconsin on the road. They got blown out by Northwestern on the road. And you take that down to the last minute and beat them. Maryland, obviously, you lose. Rutgers at home on Sunday, you did win by 23. There's not much to complain about there. But, you know, you were up big early and they cut it to four in the like second the half. Eight-minute mark. Yeah, so you kind of let a really bad Rutgers team stick around more than they should have. And then Indiana, like that's an Indiana team missing one of their best players, their NBA prospect. They come in and they're tied with a minute 30 left. Illinois just has been asleep at home for most of the year. And I know it's only resulted in one Big Ten loss so far. I mean, you could even throw the Marquette game back in November. It's a Marquette, good Marquette team, but you didn't win that game. And I think that's a team on your level, especially the way Marquette's played recently. So... 
at home, like Illinois, you need to blow some of these teams out. Just take care of these home games. That's what we've seen all across college basketball, these home road splits for teams. Like teams are taking care and playing their best basketball at home. And Illinois just hasn't really done that recently as since that Northwestern blowout win. And so, yeah, when you get Nebraska at home, Michigan at home, Iowa at home, Minnesota at home, I don't want to be tied with three minutes left and squeak one out and say, well, but win's a win. We played poorly today, but we got one. No, take care of those teams by 20 because you should for most of them. Maybe Nebraska's a little bit better than those other three, but take care of these teams without much sweat at home and then go on the road. And those are the games that you have to grind out and are probably going to be close and a margin of victory is not going to matter as much. You just want to get those games. But, yeah, four road games then as well, including the Ohio State game. And if I think if you split those, you'll be fine. But, yeah, you'd, based on the quality of competition, you'd almost like to get three of the four road games. I don't necessarily expect that to happen, but I think you're on the level of these teams. And um, but, but really, just take care of these home games. There's no reason to be flirting with these quad three home losses, really ever, especially with how drastic these home road numbers are for teams. And the fact that, yeah, you, you know, it's going to be tough to go to Maryland and Michigan State. So take care of these home games. And then the, the road games are the real resume builders for you. But but you can't afford another bad loss. Maryland was your one that you can afford, and, and you can't afford another one. Um, but, yeah, February, that should be a really important month. I think we'll know exactly the level of contender this team is once we enter that Wisconsin-Purdue-Iowa stretch in March. We'll, we'll have an idea based on how February went. Is this team – not who we thought they were, or are they finding their stride at the right time and taking care of these lesser teams? Uh, final thing, quick thoughts on this week. Start with Ohio State at, on Tuesday in Columbus. Team, like you said, I think they have lost five of six. Chris Holtman might no longer be in Columbus after this year. I mean, they just, yeah, five of six losses. Lost by 25 at Northwestern yesterday. They're, they're in, in shambles right now. You go to Columbus, it's not going to be – I don't expect only to go in there and win by 30 on the road, but you got to win this game. you got to take care of Ohio State. You'd love to get Shannon going. What do you make of this Ohio State team? I mean, I was kind of high on them coming into the year. Like They've got the pieces. They've got talent, which is the dangerous thing because most of their losses have been road games. Like They haven't won a true road game in like a year, I want to say. So, but so we got to play him in Columbus, obviously. Like Bruce Thornton, I've seen him drop like 26. He can go off at any point. Jamison Battle can get hot from three. Roddy Gale is a solid, uh, solid role player in that backcourt. But I think Bruce Thornton is the guy you got to key in on because some of these, some of these smaller guards have been beating us, like Jameer Young, Boo Boo, even. Uh, I think Tyson Walker played pretty well against us a few weeks ago. But this team's been slipping regardless. Like, they've lost five of six, just got blown out. They just haven't been able to put anything together in the past month or so. So this is a game you've got to win. Their, their metrics are still decent. Like, this is still a quad one road opportunity, so that would help your resume a ton, even if it eventually falls to quad two. Exactly. But um, just a game you have to win. It's a game I think you do win. Just I, one thing I really don't want to see is, like, Ohio State getting out to a hot start and then Illinois has to play catch up and come back in the second half or something because there's so many factors on the road. Like the crowd is going to be against Terrence. Obviously there's like potential uh, home cooking for the refs, stuff like that. I know it's could be minuscule stuff like that, but like still that's why road games are so tough. Um, 
But I think Illinois will get this win eventually. I think they have more talent. I think they've been playing better than Ohio State has, even if Illinois has been struggling a bit recently. But um, you've got Ohio State and then Nebraska. Nebraska is a good, a good team. Like, they're dangerous, especially Tommy Naga. They got masked, the transfer. Um, they got some really good pieces like Wilcher and Williams. Those guys have been playing pretty well, especially at home. But the thing is, you do have them in Champaign at the State Farm Center, so just a game you have to win. Like, from this point on, besides Purdue, I think you have to win every home game. Even, like, winning the Purdue game at home would be ideal, obviously. But um, Nebraska's, Nebraska's a good team, but I think you do also have to win that game. So I think you go 2-0 and this week. I think both games will probably be close. Like, I don't think Nebraska's going to get blown out uh, two times consecutively on the road as they just did against Maryland. But I think you go 2-0 and this week. I think two pretty close games. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, Ohio State, it's it's interesting because, yeah, they've been so horrible recently, but their roster, there's a lot to like on it. Like their backcourt has some good guards in Thornton and Gale that concern me a little bit the way Illinois has been defending guards. Like if those guys get downhill and get going, uh, that's all it takes, like you said, at home. You think back to last year, like it's, it's bringing back flashbacks of last year when Illinois went to Columbus. Ohio State had lost like nine straight games. Yeah. And they got off to a hot start there, and Illinois was playing from behind, like you said, and lost to a really bad Ohio State team. Now they lo- they're losing five of six here. But if you let those guards get going, and, and Jamison Battle shooting 45% from three, I know that's going to be a key focus for Illinois. Is Yeah, they're, they're not going to help off of him. They're going to try to not let him get any shots up. But uh, if they start seeing some go in, all of a sudden that becomes a tight game. And they've they've played much better at home than they have on the road, even in this tough stretch. So I don't expect that to be an easy game, but it's a game you need to win because this is an Ohio State team that's just in such a tough spot right now. It would be a quad one win for now. I'd be pretty surprised if it stayed quad one by the end of the year. Maybe it does. Ohio State's been like a metrics darling the last two years. They were under 500 last year and were quad one on the road last year. So I, I don't get it with them. They just they, they could lose 10 in a row and they're still top 75 in the net for whatever reason. Maybe it stays quad one. I don't know if it necessarily will. So you got to take care of them. And, and it's really just going to be shutting those guards down. Those guards have been really up and down. Illinois has got to figure out what they want to do. Shannon's going to be a big part in, in guarding one of those guys. And do you think you might see some more Ty Rogers minutes in this game just to give you a better perimeter defender? Uh, Akpar is a good rim protector. So I am curious if they try to just do the Zach Eady method with him and try to just deter Illinois, who's been struggling at the rim. But um, I, I think I think it could be a dicey game, but you got to win that one. Nebraska, you just got to take care of that team, I think. I just – They've been good. I think they're going to make the tournament, but their home road difference is insane. Like, they're a really good three-point shooting team at home. Like, they shoot like 50-plus percent from three at home. They don't make shots on the road. And, of course, you know, they'll probably make shots at Illinois because that seems to be how it goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Illinois matches up pretty well with those guys because I don't think they have a dynamic, like, off-the-bounce guard. I think they really just try to space it out and shoot it. They Illinois is really good. Illinois is really good at cutting off the three-point line. They're 
Illinois right now, I believe, is top 10 in the country in terms of least three-point attempts allowed, which, as we kind of alluded to earlier, sometimes good, sometimes not good. Like, I would I would have let Indiana get 23s up yesterday and lived with that because they can't make them. But uh, Nebraska can make them. So I, I think Illinois' defensive game plan will be really sound, and, and they'll make Nebraska try to beat them inside. And I don't think they have a lot of options that can really beat them inside. So... I think Illinois should take care of Nebraska at home. It is one of those Sunday weekend spots that Illinois has been kind of half asleep in, but it's a night game at least, so it's not that like afternoon sleep spot that Illinois, for whatever reason, can't get up for. But um, but yeah, you got to go two and zero this week. You just do, especially staring down a Michigan State game at Breslin Center uh, the next week. And so I, I just think you got to get these two games. Um, I don't necessarily think either of them will be blowouts, but. I think it only matches up pretty well with both teams. Ohio State gives me a little more concern, especially on the road with the guard play. But I think we see the Terrence Shannon breakout game this week. I'm not sure if it's Ohio State because that's a road game. I think Nebraska is the return of Terrence Shannon. I'll, I'll go out on a limb here. Maybe not really a limb. I think most people expect that he'll have it coming up. But I'll, I'll predict that Terrence Shannon is – 24 to 26 points against Nebraska really gets going. They got some smaller guards there that think he could just overpower. Think Nebraska, if they're not making shots, all of a sudden you're getting some long misses and Terrence Shannon's getting out on a break, can get going and transition in front of a home crowd that you saw him get energized in front of against Rutgers. I'm calling the Terrence Shannon breakout official return game Sunday night against Nebraska. And we'll record right after that game and react to it. That's my prediction for the week. Any last thoughts before we close it out? I don't know. I think obviously March with Purdue, Wisconsin, Iowa, that's the biggest month in terms of like huge games. You got to go out and win. But I think this is the month where Illinois like makes or breaks their resume makes or breaks their big 10 title hopes. And like I just wrote an article about it. I just said it too. I think you got to win seven of eight, including this Ohio State game in a couple of days. So I mean, we'll we'll see if they do it. Yep, should be a lot of fun. We'll be back next week to break down these next two games. Probably might be out a little bit later because we'll have to record at night after this game at State Farm Center, five thirty against Nebraska. But uh, we will talk about it all. Make sure you go drop a follow on our platforms: Twitter at Champagne on Ice, posting on there. Had some uh, frustration tweets being fired off on it yesterday watching Indiana cook Illinois for most of the game. If you don't want to miss that, go drop a follow. We also obviously post all our latest episodes on there. Subscribe, Field of 68 Podcast Network YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on all the podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify right now and, and anywhere else. We should be easy to find as well. We'll be back next week. Two more games, pretty much two games a week the rest of the way. Although actually I think there's a one week off here after Nebraska. They get a week off until Michigan State. But it's going to be a lot of basketball and uh, we'll be here to break it down and uh, hope everybody has a great week. Go Illini and we'll see you next time on Champagne on Ice. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.